Welcome to Money Talk with Tiff, a podcast where we discuss everything money from tips and tricks to current events. Follow me on my journey to become debt-free and meet other cool people along the way. I am your host, Tiffany Grant. Now let's talk money. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Today, I have Jen Narciso, and Jen is the founder of Investor Mama and the host of the Investor Mama podcast. I'm a huge fan. Um, She believes anyone can get out of debt and achieve financial independence by getting educated, changing his or her habits, and changing their money beliefs. Her goal is to help as many moms and families as she can with their money journey so they can set an example for the next generation. Hey, Jen. Jen, how are you? I'm great. And as you're reading my bio, I have to give you a shout out because Investor Mama, it was in the works, but you were the one that actually pushed me to start it. So thank you so much. At FinCon, you literally pushed me into the booth and said, go, Jen. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and it's been off to the races since. So thank you. <laughs> oh, oh, well, you know what? Let's start there. Okay. <laughs> I'm jumping so, around. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You're fine because let's give people a little background on this, right? So last year, I met Jen um, at FinCon and we had a brief conversation. She was like, you know what? I want to start podcasting, but I'm not sure. And, you know, this, that, and the other. Now, mind you, last year I was brand new into podcasting, but I was like at that point, because I was only what, maybe like a month or two in. um, (laughs) But I was just like, yeah, do it. Yeah, you got this. Let's go ahead and get into the booth because they had booths there at FinCon. And I was like, yeah, go ahead and use that free equipment. See how you like it. And then if you really like it, you can keep it going when you get home. And Jen was like, you know, this sounds crazy enough to work. (laughs) I was a nervous wreck, mind you. I was literally shaking as I went into the booth. I was like, what if I break the equipment? What if I don't even speak in the right mic? There's too many things going on. What do I do? (laughs) But you know what? It was a lesson learned, though, right? Because... I always tell people everything you want is on the other side of fear and the worst that could have happened is that you broke the podcasting equipment, which granted, <laughs> I don't think that would have happened because there were people there to kind of facilitate that. But <laughs> if that was the case, it's FinCon. They have money. They'll replace it um, as long as it's not your own equipment. <laughs> um, at least it's not your own equipment at home. So whenever they there's an opportunity to use other people's equipment because they've made it available. (laughs) They made it available for whoever. All you had to do was get a slot, show up for your slot, hit record. They give you the the playback and you're off to the races. Um, So as long as there is an opportunity to use other people's equipment or to get your name out there, because also another thing that happens at FinCon is, let's say, for instance, because this is actually what happened to me. um, (laughs) I love this. (laughs) I recorded a podcast while I was there, too. And I was just hanging with Eugene George. I don't know if you're familiar, but we were hanging pretty much like the whole FinCon. I was like, you know, Eugene, let's go ahead and and record a podcast while we're here. Because this is like the first time we see each other in person. You know, we have a vibe going. Let's just bring it to the mic real quick. Um, (laughs) And that's the type of things that happen at FinCon. Like you may be talking to somebody kind of like with me and Jen 
just chatting. And then you're like, oh, let's go record a podcast <laughs> or, oh, let's go ahead and do some writing thing or, or whatever the case is. And it just happens. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no hold bars. Like you just go. And it was actually one of the most invigorating experiences. After I got off the mic, I did an interview with someone and it was just awesome. And I was like, oh, I like this. Let, let's let's get this going. And it right. was really it's, off to the races at that point. Right. And here you are. So how many episodes are you in now? I am 14 episodes in and I have another 20 or so that are recorded in, in editing. And it's phenomenal. Awesome. Awesome. So yes, please check out Investor Mama podcast. Um, <laughs> I've, I'm so proud of Jen and how she conquered her fears. Cause I tell you, she was a wreck. She's like, <laughs> Literally. oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. And then here I am being like the, um, you know, y'all know who, how I am. I'm just very free spirit. Just like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Do it. What's holding you back? You know, that type of thing. And, and she was like, well, I don't know what to say. I'm like, just start talking. You know, <laughs> She's like, you're like, you can just talk for five minutes. It doesn't matter. And mind you, I thought you had been, pod I didn't realize you had just started. I thought you had been podcasting for at least a year or so. Cause you were so confident and chill and just like, yeah, it's really no big deal. You got it. <laughs> yeah, literally, I launched uh, Money Talk with Tiff like in August, August 1st of last year. And FinCon was what, September? Yeah. So, and, and so here's here was my thought process with it. I actually did that on purpose. I actually used FinCon as my goal to have my podcast out. Like I wanted to have it out before FinCon for that purpose. Like I wanted to be able to go and say, oh, yeah, I have a podcast. Oh, yeah, I have a podcast and kind of promote it while I was there. So I was like, OK, if I started like a month ahead of time, I'll have a few episodes in. So that way, when I tell people about it, they can go on. They can actually listen to something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's helpful. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I could use this opportunity to just kind of promote it. So that was my whole thought process behind it. And it's crazy because once you put like a deadline on something and you really want to stick to that deadline, you actually do it. <laughs> um, because I kind of like you, you know, how you were nervous and scared and stuff. That was me for the whole year prior. Right. Because I was like, oh, I don't know if I have the right equipment. I had recorded a couple episodes with just my computer <laughs> and then I never released them. I was like, eh, I don't really like this anymore. And then I waited like a whole nother year. And then I finally did it, ended up not using those episodes. Maybe I'll bring them back. <laughs> as like a, once I put a deadline and I was like, okay, I need to have this by this time. Then I was able to go forth and do it because I didn't have like somebody like me to you. that <laughs> was like, just go, go, go. It was kind of like I had to um, kind of force myself. <laughs> um, so anyway, so that's a little background of how me and Jen met and her Investor Mama podcast, which you should definitely check out. I know I have an episode, um, I believe it's episode six. Yep, episode and, six. Yes, and you can check that out. So with all of that being said, you're called Investor Mama for a reason. So let's talk about how you got into real estate, because that's really one of the biggest things um, that you do that I'm impressed with. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. So let's start with the first property. Um, 
how did y'all make the decision? What did you buy? What were the pitfalls? What were the the triumphs? Yeah. We want to hear it all. <laughs> sure, sure. And I will I will begin by saying I think real estate is such a powerful way to amplify your wealth and you can do it in simple steps. It doesn't have to, you don't necessarily need to own, you know, 10 properties to create real long lasting wealth for you and your family. You can do it with just a handful of properties. And so I love a strategy called house hacking and it was coined, I think it was by Brandon Turner from bigger pockets. And it's essentially where you buy a, a single family, a duplex, a triplex, a fourplex, and you live in one unit or uh, one part of the house and you rent out the other. And that's really how we got our feet wet into real estate. And what I love most about it is that it's a I don't want to say risk-free, but it's a very low risk strategy for getting started in real estate. And if you're thinking about, you know, becoming a becoming an investor in in the real estate arena, I would encourage you to really seriously think about starting with this strategy. Even if you have kids, we did it. We bought one without kids. We bought one with kids. And it's not, you only have to do it for a year. And I'll go into that in a little bit more in a second. But my whole thought process was I could do anything for a year. And so the way house hacking works is what I love about it. There's a couple of things. First is you don't need a lot of money. And the reason why is you can buy and you can buy a property using an FHA loan. An FHA loan is for first time home buyers. You only need to put down about three and a half to 5%. I would encourage you to put down a little bit more because you don't want to have too much debt, but you can put down a little bit of money. So if you're thinking, oh my God, to invest in real estate, I need 25% down or I need all this money up front to start, you don't because with the FHA loan, you only need to have a little bit to, to get your feet wet and it's just, it's a great way. So that's the first thing. The reason why I love it is because it's low money down. The second thing is with the house hacking strategy, you're living on the property. Now for us, we bought a duplex. Uh, some people I know buy single families and have, you know, the, you may rent out by the room or I personally do not want someone in my actual house. Uh, if I could go back, I probably wish we would have started with a three or four family instead of the two, because it's easier to go from a three, four to a two than a one versus going from a two to a three to a four from the bank standpoint. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but we did, but this, but like I said, the second part is that you're living on site. So if you're not sure how you like about if, how you feel about being a landlord, just like with podcasting, how Tiff said, just go try it and see if you like it. It's kind of the same thing with house hacking. You can try being a landlord. If there's anything really terrible that goes on, you're right there on the property. So fixing things, dealing with maybe tenants that aren't so great, you're experiencing it right there. And I have also found that if you're living on the property, at least in our case, I've heard it could go the other way. But if you're living there, most tenants are not going to do anything crazy to your property because you're right there. Mm -hmm. And and also it's easier than too. like if you know something's wrong, you can make repairs because you can see a lot of the times you can really watch your tenants. You're not that you're you know, hovering, but that, you know, you're on the property. It just makes your life a little bit easier to kind of get your feet wet and see how you feel about doing it. And then the third reason that I really love the house hacking strategy is that you can leverage other people's money very efficiently. And so, like I said before, you don't need a lot of money down, but there's something called 
also an FHA 203k loan. And so if you were to use this type of loan, it includes the rehab cost. So now not only are you putting low money down into your house, but you could buy something that you may need to fix up and you're getting essentially your tenants are going to pay for it. And what do I mean by that is so with an FHA 203k loan, you're able to roll the rehab costs into the loan as well. And so as long as you do your numbers right and factor in, you know, the, the, your mortgage payment is going to be higher. But if you can get the command rents for that. Now, now you have your tenants especially as essentially paying for you to rehab your property, which mm. is awesome. So I love, love this strategy. And I'll give you one more bonus in our case, uh, as why I also love this strategy is that we bought in high cost of living areas. And for us, there was no way we could one afford a house in this type of area. We were living in like A class neighborhoods. Like these were, you know, really good schools close to a major city and for us to afford something like that, we would have needed a lot of money to put down into just a sing- to pay for a mortgage on a single family. And even renting was just obscene in, the, in this area. And so now we weren't living for free, but we were living less than it would have cost us to either buy a house or to rent. And so mm-hmm. that then allowed us the ability to save significantly because we weren't house poor or rent poor. So we, we had the benefits of both worlds, live in a neighborhood that we really loved. And which also when you live in a, a typically a better neighborhood, you're going to get better tenants. You're going to have less vacancy because it's a hot area. So mm-hmm. people are going to want to live there. And so it checked like all of our buckets. And so it was for us, it was a no brainer. But I will say this, we did buy our first property in 2013. And at that point, the economy was very different than it is today. And so you really couldn't find a bad property in a way. And so I would just encourage you, though, to make sure you run your numbers so that after you figure out how much it's going to cost you per month between mortgage principal interest, your insurance, your taxes. There's three other things that I always factor into every property of monthly payments. And that is your capital expenses. So we said that we have a slush fund, if you call it emergency fund for our house for each house. And so if the roof goes, uh, we just had a termite issue, Mm. um, Anything big with the house, uh, you need to change appliances, things like that. More, more of the big items. Those are that's for like your capex. Then your, uh, we also have for maintenance. So let's say the toilet gets clogged and you don't want to be the one running out there. You're going to pay a handyman to go fix the toilet. That costs some money, and so we have a little bit of money set aside for that for the year, let's say. So maybe we do like a thousand bucks a year. So a hundred dollars of the rent or like $80 out of the rent, we put set aside and that just goes towards the maintenance. And then the third thing we always factor for is vacancy because Mm -hmm. when someone leaves your property, it costs money to actually turn it over. Whether you're hiring a cleaning crew, whether there's small repairs you want to put on to maintain the property, it, it all adds up. And so when I think of for us for cash flow, I don't think of how much money we make until after I factor in all those costs. And for our strategy personally, I was fine with coming out net zero. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't need to, I, I don't want to go negative, but as long as we were zero, we were getting a property for not a lot of money down out of our own money. So our cash on cash return is, is 
ridiculous because we let's say we only put five percent down, which is what I think we did for the first one. Five percent down on, let's say, a, a four hundred thousand dollar house. And, and, and I, well, actually, no, our first house was two eighty because we could get the market was really bad. So five percent down on two eighty. It's really not that much money when you're thinking in a long scheme of thing, mm-hmm. in a long scheme of things. So it's just it's just been such an amazing opportunity. And by, again, doing that, it then allowed us to save on one of the most expenses, expensive items that people have in their budget, which is housing. Mm-hmm. So that's why I really love the strategy. And I, I could talk about it all day because it just helped us amplify our wealth. And so that was kind of the first property. The second property we bought was uh, in 2018. And wait, wait, wait. okay, wait, Jen, oh, sorry. wait, 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 because you, because you just unloaded, <laughs> like, <laughs> and I just learned something new. Um, because I had never heard of the um FHA. What was the numbers? Two hundred three K. Yeah. Oh, and I, I. So one thing I forgot to add, which is really cool too. So with FHA two hundred three K, you could build in the construction costs, and with these type of loans, uh, the you have to hire a certain contractor that takes FHA 203k loans because mm-hmm. the bank won't disperse the money until certain items are completed. So this mm-hmm. is a pro and a con. The con is not every contractor likes FHA 203k loans because they want to be paid up front for costs. But the good thing, which I really liked about it, is that if a contractor doesn't do something right, you have someone in your back in your court that has your back. So mm-hmm. it's not then you fighting with the contractor. It's oh the bank won't release the money until you finish this. You got to, or this doesn't look as good as we talked about. And I'm sorry, but they, they're the ones that won't give you the money. It's not me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so all that fear of a rehab and all that, it, it helped mitigate the risk in my eyes because I had someone else that I could talk to to say, Oh, like, did they do this right? Cause I had never done a rehab before. So I didn't know how much things should really cost. And it just was helpful to have someone uh, to just bounce ideas off and say, like, is this super expensive? Is this on target? Should I be upset that they didn't do this this way? And so the FHA 203K loan is a fantastic way to start. But let's say you don't want to do rehab. That's fine. Then just get the regular FHA loan. So when you and your husband um, went ahead and got this loan, did you all do it together? Did you do it? Did he do it? How did you work that? So this was before we we were still dating at the time. So I said to him, like, let's let's do this because I knew we we were in this for the long haul at that point. I was like, let's just find a a duplex. I I was taught that real estate's a great way to invest in. I knew we wanted to move into the area. I wish I knew what I know now, though, about real estate, because then we would have bought 10 properties at that point. Um, but we only bought the one and it's been phenomenal because we, like I said, it allowed us the ability to live in a high cost of living area. Our tenants are paying down our mortgage. It, we get great tax benefits. Our house is appreciated, which has allowed us to take that money out to them by our second property. So did you take out a HELOC? No. Uh, I think we, no, we refinanced. We refinanced and pulled cash. Refinanced. Okay. Okay. And just so you can go ahead and break down how that process works. So refinancing one home to purchase another. Yeah. So I'll tell me, go back and just explain a HELOC is essentially think of it like a a credit card. So you essentially take out a loan on your house from the equity that you've built in. 
So I'm going to try to give a very basic example. So let's say you bought your house for $200,000. You put down 50 grand into the home. So now you have uh, 50 grand. You have your mortgage is $150,000. Let's say now it appraises. The economy is continuing to go up. Now you're your appraises for 300,000. Well, now your equity is about 150,000 the 50,000 that you first put in and then the $100,000 that appreciated, okay? And so you can't, most banks not gonna give you 100%, but usually they may give you 70% of, let's say of the 150, you would get 70% of that to take out. And so we refinance, we cash, or um, I'm sorry, so a HELOC would be essentially you take that money and it's just like a credit card, you use it, you could put, whatever you want, you're paying interest on it, but you can pay it back as you go. And usually they could be for, I don't know, like 10 years. And then after 10 years, you actually have to start paying it back. But the only caveat to HELOC is that it's usually a variable rate. So you may start out where it's like one, 2%, but over time it could go up to seven, 8%. It depends on the terms of the loan, but essentially it's, it's cash that you can kind of use as a revolving door. So you buy something, you could buy a property and then you pay it back, but then you can take money back out again of the, of the total amount. So of the $150,000, let's say that you had in the HELOC, you could buy a house for 150 and then you're paying it back and then you could buy another house. And so a lot of real estate investors use that as a wealth building strategy. A refinance though is where of that $150,000, let's say you take the money out. Usually you restart the loan again. So let's say you had you had a mortgage and you you had a 30 year mortgage, you cash out refi after five years. Uh, what you're doing now is you're actually, you have to pay for closing costs usually, and then you restart the loan again for however many, the length of term. So there's pros and cons to doing that as well, because now you actually have cash. You don't have to worry about paying interest every month Uh, on a a HELOC. You don't have to worry about the rate going up or down. Uh, It's your cash. It's out of the property. It's kind of, it is what it is, but the downside is then usually you have to start the loan over. But it, for me, the way I always looked at a cash out refi is my tenants are paying for it in a way anyway. So as long as it covers the cost, they're kind of paying the closing costs. And they're, even if I have to pay an extra five years of mortgage, it's not really me paying the mortgage. It's my tenants paying the mortgage. So you use a cash out refinance to purchase the second home. And so how did that process look? So this was the home. The second home was the one we did a rehab and I was pregnant at the time. And so I have a lot of lessons learned on that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with rehabbing a uh, property with kid, We had our daughter at the time and I was pregnant the second time. And if you are going to do a rehab, especially whether you have a family or not, but especially if you have a family, always make sure you have contingency plans. And I remember we were living in, we had just actually closed on the house and moved in. And we wanted to wait a couple of weeks just because we were moving out of our other property, but we were in a rush to move into the next one. And so we let's say, all right, we gave ourselves a three week window, but construction had already started. And so the day we had the movers come, I remember we got to the house and by the time that they were done with everything, it was already like five o'clock and there was literally our, the back of the house was open. <laughs> we had dust everywhere. Oh, no. And I was like, we can't sleep here, let alone have our daughter sleep here. <laughs> like we got to figure oh, something no. out. And it was now like probably around six o'clock. I'm like, what are we going to do? And so we just randomly started call- calling hotels in the area and we stayed. I mean, it was 
probably very shadier than I led on to, but we stayed in some local motel uh, not far from our house. And our daughter thought it was like a great adventure, but we were lucky that we even found a room. I mean, we literally, it was like, can we come like now? <laughs> and, uh, and I just remember it was just such a chaotic time. And especially with, with her just trying to navigate um, the construction work. Cause we were living, we were essentially living in it and then just keeping her routine and keeping our routine and then having contractors mm-hmm. in and out of the house and, it was all worth it, but I wish I would have thought about it more before we did that. So after you went through hell <laughs> trying to get this property finished um, because you were no longer living in the yeah, first correct. one we had tenants right? at this point. Right. So they were renting that whole um, mm-hmm. property completely. Correct. And so when you finish this one, you all moved into this Correct. one. Then you started house hacking with this one as well. Correct. And so with the house hacking, I think I said this earlier, but with the FHA loan, you only have to live in the house for a year before you can move out. So for us, we were like, all right, we can live anywhere for a year. And then so if you're thinking of doing this strategy, And you're like, I don't want to live with people that I don't know, or I don't want people, tenants above me or below me or next to me. It's only a year to do it, to have a low money down strategy to get a property. And the next house we bought was significantly more money. It was in the heart of also another, our strategy was along, you know, downtown areas like we know, you know, low vacancy, hot markets, good schools, all that. And so there was no way we would have ever been. This was an even more expensive neighborhood. There was no way we ever could have lived in here, but we wanted to try it out. And it's with this one, though, I will say. Uh, so at the time of the second property, we actually lost our son uh, at birth. I had mentioned I was pregnant. And so mm. uh, we lost our son, Nathan, at birth. And I just was not in the right mm. mental mind, mindset at this point. And so we had a vacancy in the upstairs unit of this house, probably for eight months. And that crushed Mm. our savings. But uh, I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to list it with a, with a real estate agent. I had all these mental barriers. And so I, we just let it sit. And that significantly took out a lot of the money that we would have made or, you know, having someone else rent it out because this house was a huge house. It was a, the other unit was a five bedroom, three bath. So to have that just sitting there for eight months was crushing, as I'm sure you can imagine. But mm-hmm. even with that loss, it still made sense for us to purchase this property. And now we have, we actually have college kids in that unit and um, they're fantastic, really great. And they're paying off our kids' mortgage. And we bought the first house was for our daughter. The second house was for Nathan. And we still want to get one more property. We had our, our other, our, our son uh, recently, uh, right before the pandemic. And so we're going to get another investment property for him so we could have essentially one for each kid. Oh, and that is so sweet. And that is so important to keep um, things going. So keep the generational wealth going because you all are building it, yeah. right? Because <laughs> I didn't hear you say anywhere in there that it was gifted to you or, <laughs> nope. you know, family, money. <laughs> you know, right? Like my rich uncle. Yeah, or, no, 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 no. Yeah. 
I didn't hear any of that. So you all are building it now. And so that way you can pass on, you can be the rich, um, <laughs> the rich mom, the rich uh, uh, auntie yeah. or, you no, know, it's true. And, and we bring our kids <laughs> into our real estate process. So our daughter, mm-hmm. when we have an issue, like when we did, when we had a vacancy and we had to get tenants, she comes and she meets the tenants. When we have an issue with the house, we explain to her, you know, and, and she's very little, so she's three. So, you know, we use, Aww. but she knows that we have properties, we provide housing for people and then they pay us. And then that helps us give, get, get us, gives us money so that we can, for, for things that we need. And so we never teach her, you know, toys or things like that, but we use it now so that uh, now that I, I recently lost my job and um, with the podcast, we're, we're okay. We're not, we're not frantic. Like so many people are, and we are so blessed, but because we have these properties, it's allowed us a little bit more freedom and breathing room because we were then able to save money into our emergency fund and into our retirement accounts that we never would have been able to, if we had gone the typical route of buying a, a single family home right away or renting for just giving money to somebody else by doing this, it just made sense. And I really wish we actually, so fast forward a second, we actually just during the pandemic purchased our third house, which was a single family because now our kids are getting older and we want to get them into the school systems that we really want them to get into and not have necessarily tenants. We want them to have a backyard and all that kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. I'm kind of kicking myself that we didn't buy one more multifamily before we did this, (laughs) but we knew it was the right decision. But from a from a, the investor mama in me is like ah we should have bought the one more <laughs> it sounds like Jen it sounds like you're slightly yes. addicted oh, I love real estate <laughs> it's just fantastic like what other vehicle can you have someone else like you, you don't need a lot of money you essentially have someone else pay for your retirement you get the tax benefits and then you get appreciation if things go up you you get the benefit of that mm-hmm. and there's no other wealth building vehicle that I see doing all those things right, at once. Right, that's so true. And you're not the first person I've heard of talk about house hacking. Um, I know my good friend Danielle Desir over at the Thought Card podcast. Um, I know that's how she bought her first property and, you know, made it so that she could buy her second was house hacking. And so I feel like house hacking is a great opportunity for people. Now, this is what has always held me back from house hacking <laughs> was um, because I have the the kids. And so you were able to do it with your kids. So I just want to know, you know, how did you make that work? Was this because it was a, a two family mm-hmm. unit or so I guess yeah, take sure. me through that because I'm yeah, trying so they're to. They're <laughs> both two families and we okay. screened, we screen our tenants really well. And so with our the most the the second house we purchased, we actually put in uh in, in the original five bedroom three bath before we had the college kids. We had a really nice family with other young kids, and so it was actually mm, okay. even better for us because now we kind of had built in friends and they took good care of the property and it was just nice. They the kids shared toys and stuff, and it was it just went smoothly. And then in the other house too. We didn't live in it that long with with our daughter at the time she was just born. And so you can again, you can do anything for a short period of time. So even if you're only going to if you want to do the strategy, but you don't really want to live with someone near you for a long time, you just have to do it for a year and then you can move out. And then your loan essentially you meet the requirements of the loan. 
So for a year with kids to then potentially have their college paid off or to, you know, have your retirement account set it to me, it was just a no brainer of I could do this. Like, yeah, I don't want to live with people near me or I don't want to, you know, what if the tenants aren't so great and then we have kids involved, but as long as you get at least a two family, they're not living right on top of like, like they're not living with you and as if you were to do it as with a single family, which that I, I probably mm-hmm. could never do. I would never want someone living in our house, like directly with kids, <laughs> but to have a, a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex, it's, it's, it's not, it's not so difficult. And even in the worst case scenario, if you have terrible tenants that are noisy and loud, it's only a year with your kids. Right. right. And see, that was my struggle. Cause I do have a single family. So I was like, you know, they would practically be living with this. So <laughs> but yeah, sense. and you can, so you can, if you can rent out your single family for a year, take out mm-hmm. a home equity line of credit or he, to HELOC that or, or refi if you have equity, buy your duplex, move in for one year, and then you can go back to your single family. And then now you just bought a two, fa- a two family, three family, four family with not a lot of money down. And now you, you got your first property. Mm, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jen, for all of this good knowledge. I'm sure it'll help um, somebody out there because it definitely helped me. <laughs> um, okay, I thought, I'm glad. <laughs> so with that being said, if people wanted to find out more about you, where could they find you? You can go to InvestorMama.com. And get uh, on that website, you could get access to the podcast. You could find me on Facebook. uh, You can find me on Instagram um, at investor underscore mama. And yeah, on social media, just look for investor mama and you'll find me. Good. And you also have a Facebook group, I do. It's actually investor mama podcast. Okay, perfect. So just in case people, I know Facebook groups are super popular right now. So just in case people want to pop in, get some more Investor Mama knowledge. Actually, no, go to (laughs) InvestorMama.com slash connect and you can find my Facebook group. You can find my Instagram. You can email me. It's all right there. I might actually take that idea. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Money Talk with Tiff slash connect. No, but um, thank you so much, Jen. I will have all of these links in the show notes. Um, So if you all are listening, listening and you thought Jen Narcissa was super helpful, definitely check her out. She's a one, she's a gem in the community. And thank you so much. Oh, for being it was on. an honor really, Tiffany. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And thank you for getting me started. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, rise and lift, <laughs> rise and lift. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jen. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to moneytalkwitht.com. And while you're there, why not sign up for our newsletter so you'll never miss an episode? Talk to you soon.